You know, elders are a really hot button issue in some places because I've I've actually seen of congregations that have children elders. You know, they have children's church, but in certain denominations, they actually have twelve-year-old boys as elders, and so you you've got kind of wide variety of spectrums that you go to the end of is well, this is this and this is that and that's this and then there's also a lot of churches of Christ the members of those churches that they don't have elders they've never had elders and so they might sit there and say well why would we need them so what would you do if someone said why do we need elders well there are congregations that have functioned um, and and they've met as the men of the congregation and they've made decisions and they've set aside committees to uh, handle the functions, you know, the day-to-day -day activities and, and so forth, and, and they will make decisions in that way and let the men you know, decide about things. And in the absence of elders, that's kind of where we're limited to do right. those things. Uh, you hate to see congregations continue down that road forever. You know, that's not, because that's not the Lord's plan. And <clears throat> if you do not have men that are uh, qualified to serve in that way, then you have no choice. And that's, that's the problem that some congregations, smaller congregations especially, will face. And I would say that, you know, we have a responsibility to attempt to work toward an eldership in every congregation, whatever the case may be. Right. Whether the congregation's a brand new congregation, you know, just, you know, planted maybe in, in, a, in a certain location, uh, we need to be working toward that effort to get elders in place. Congregations that have been without for a lengthy, a lengthy time need to be working toward that. And I think that's a problem area in the Lord's Church because when they get to, we've been doing this for so long in this fashion and we're comfortable with that and everything seems to work well, but you have preachers that'll come in or even outsiders who can see, yeah, but the communication's not there as it needs to be. The leadership is not there as it needs to be because a lot of times you'll have a preacher that's in place and maybe the preacher's there for a long time or maybe the preacher's there for a short amount of time regardless. He is not a pastor. Right. It, the Lord didn't set up the church in that fashion. And so for it to be run in, in that way. And so you have congregations though that will get eased. You know, I guess there's a, a burden of ease that, that's there in, in the sense that they, they're okay with where they are, but ultimately it becomes a burden to the membership and to the growth of the church because not how the Lord planned it. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be working toward that, that effort. Those who would make the statement that why do we need elders? Well, because the Lord said so. And that's, he's the head of the church and therefore we need to work toward that, you know, Colossians 1.18. So, and, and in that, you know, the Apostle Paul to both Timothy and Titus you know, gave them instructions, you know, left them behind in certain locations to ordain elders in every city, in every congregation in that way. So there would be a reason for doing that is because the Lord established it that way. The apostles went out and taught it that way. Right. And the first century church followed suit that way. And if the brand new church of our Lord could accomplish that in the first century, certainly we could accomplish it even today. Yeah. Well, you, you say, why do we need elders? And the idea of someone asking that question, and I could counteract that by saying, why do we need food? <laughs> you can go without food for a little while. For a little while. And what's going to happen, though, eventually, is you, you'll starve to death. If you don't eat, you're going to starve to death. And if a congregation doesn't have elders, it, it might thrive for a little while and be okay. Right. 
But in truth, like you said, we can simply solve it by saying, well, you need elders because God, who created the world and the church, said you need elders. Right. And that's just it. It seems at times that people in the Lord's church try to act as if they know better than God, but they don't want to phrase it that way. It's, for instance, well, this congregation hasn't had elders in 40 years, and we've done just fine. But they're not growing. They're not doing well. But the people that have been there are there, and the budget's being met, so that that's fine to them. Right. Then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like, man, man we, we've never had elders in... I mean, I'd kill for an eldership. I'd love to have an eldership at, at the congregation where I attend. Yeah. And I have preacher friends that I have, and I know you do too, that that are envious of the idea, not in a sinful way, but of the, man, you have an eldership. <laughs> and I, all of the blessing that that comes with to have mm-hmm. an eldership that from the minister side of it, right. I, I've told my elders before on more than one occasion, I am so thankful that I can direct people to you. And to say, you know what, that's an excellent question. I know of some men that will answer it for you. Their names, and I give them the names of the elders, and they're like, well, I want you to answer it. I'm not an elder. I'm sorry. You need to go to them. The fact of the matter is we need elders because God saw that it fit that we need elders. And God saw it fit that we needed a woman, that man should not be alone. And God's track record of figuring out what makes things work the best is much better than ours. And so to have elders is a necessity. And it's what's pleasing in, in the sight of God. And a church that doesn't have elders with qualified men, let me stress that, yeah. is not pleasing to God right. by everything that I can find. What do you think about that? I, I think that's true. And I think that when we read, um, again, Paul's writings to both Timothy and Titus and giving a long list of the kind of character that those men should be by those qualifications in First Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1, and we can even see Peter writing as well, First Peter chapter five, and and in those passages, we get an overwhelming uh, sense of urgency. This is important to God, mm-hmm. and this is the kind of this is the caliber of men that He wants in these positions. And so, yeah, it's of necessity because we need the the highest quality or character of men to be leading those congregations, and I think that's important. You know, we, we could call them rulers in a sense. You know, um, the Bible, though, refers to them as bishops, overseers, pastors, and shepherds, and elders. Um, and those words, you know, are, are from basically three Greek words. But there's much that's said in the letters that are written, whether it's uh, to the church at Philippi with bishops and deacons, uh, you know, we, we get that, that picture then, that the necessity of it. This is God's plan. This is the Lord's plan. And if we're working otherwise, then we need to be defeated in that, and we need to be working toward the Lord's plan. Now, if we're working there, we just truly do not have men qualified at the moment, but we are working toward that. Right. Great. That's wonderful. Training young men maybe to, to one day be able to serve in that capacity. Um, I, I think that's important, but to, to leave it completely up to committee run and, and, and to the, the men of the congregation, um, it, it presents problems from a minister standpoint, from a preacher standpoint, like what you mentioned a moment ago. Uh, but also, we have a hard time uh, fulfilling Hebrews thirteen seventeen: obey them that have the rule over you right. and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Who's watching? 
all the men of the congregation? Are they all serving in this capacity? Because what you typically have then are you have a few that are seasoned, spiritually speaking, men, and you have some that are really babes in Christ. And their ages are all across the spectrum as well. But we're to somehow obey them that have the rule over you and submit to them because they're watching for our souls. Um, and in some situations, they'll do the, certainly the best that they can. In some situations, they've gotten complacent and don't want to move forward, and that's unfortunate. And it leaves the congregation dying on the vine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's unfortunate that, that's because that should never be said of the Lord's church. We, we should be working toward those things that will help and benefit the Lord's body. Well, and you think about it, if, if it's a congregation that doesn't have elders, then every man in that congregation has an equal say, mm-hmm. which makes everything incredibly difficult yeah. to where if you have a 45-member congregation just in men alone, you have to have a vote. And the men that are able-bodied that want to come to that men's business meeting are going to not understand, not necessarily have the right mindset because many of those men won't be qualified to be elders. Mm -hmm. And I think we've overlooked that with the men's business meeting is, yeah, men's business meetings are a necessary evil in some situations, but we're asking unqualified men to handle matters of the church. And that's tough. And that's not what God wanted. God didn't want people who were not qualified to be handling the matters of the church. He, he gives these lists of qualifications and you know what Titus was told, what Timothy was told. These are qualifications you need to be looking for right. in these men in order for them. And one of the very first things is not a novice. Right. But in a men's business meeting, a brand new Christian can go in there yeah. and can have a say. And that's exactly the opposite of what God wants. So why do we need elders? Because it protects the church. Right. And like you said in Hebrews 13, or Romans 13, 7, I'm saying 13 of Hebrews, but it's Romans 13, 7. Obey them and have the rule over you. They watch over your soul for your benefit. Yeah. And Titus 1, verses 10 through 16 talks about mm-hmm. one of the main functions of elders is to look for people who have nefarious intentions, have intentions that are not going to be helpful to the church, but to right. hurt the church. And so why do we need elders? For protection. But not all, not all elders are created equal. True. And there are times where decisions are made and people get their feelings hurt. And so I know of some situations where people got so upset at a decision that elders made that they left. What would you do if someone told you that the reason they left their congregation was due to a decision made by the eldership? Well, and usually they'll quickly tell you the the background of the decision, or you may very well know the decision Uh uh, that was made if it's that congregation where you labor. But it's, um, you you know, when you you talk to individuals who that's their position, you know, we're going to leave because we don't agree with the decision that the elders made. Now, my first question is, are we talking about the practice of the church, the the worship, are we talking about doctrine, are we talking about matters of opinion where these men certainly rule. Um, now if they're stepping into, uh, stepping out of bounds from, from their line where they're supposed to be, their their position, then, then that's problematic and I get that and I would say, I, you know, did you work things out? Did you, did you let them know why you're leaving? Did you attempt to work things out? You know, and then this was the last straw finally you've got to go. I get that because I know of situations where the elders have departed from the faith essentially and are leading brethren down a wrong path and brethren have left because of that. And I 
I, as hard as it is, they they have to. But also, in a situation where it's a matter of of opinion, you know, this is this is our family. This is our congregation, and these are the men that that oversee us, and these are the men that that watch for our souls. They may see something and know of some situation, why they made the decision that they made that we know nothing of the background of, but on the surface of it, it seems like a foolish decision maybe that they made. I just don't agree with it. I think we should be able to do this or something you know, along that lines. And they know how the congregation is. They know all of the members. They know all of the right. situation. They know the background maybe of why this is not a good idea to do this, and it would cause problems bigger than um, than that one individual. And so they made the decision that they did, and, and I would stand behind those elders making the, that decision because they know better for the congregation. And I would encourage those members who say that they're leaving to repent right. and submit. Right. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that members have today. The biggest problem that they have is this idea of submission. I don't have to agree with every single decision that the elders make. Right. I don't have to agree with it, but I do have to submit if I'm going to be a part of that family and be a part of that congregation right. uh, because that's, that's what they've been given the rule over is those, those particular areas of, of, of opinion and, and things like that. They, they help lead the congregation in those difficult areas. You know, it's easy when you have doctrine laid out in front of you, but when it's matters of opinion, you know, the, that's why these men are of certain caliber, certain character, right. and, and, are, and are qualified to help us, and they're wise men. And so we look to them to shepherd us, to lead us through troubled waters, to lead us through these difficult things. And anyway, that's, that's why we would want them in place. And, and I, would, I would warn those who would leave for frivolous reasons like that, they need to repent. It reminds me of a story I've, I've been told, and I, you've probably heard this too, and I may have even told you before, but of a congregation who had never had indoor plumbing. And the elders decided we're gonna we're gonna make the change. We're gonna get some indoor plumbing, and one of the families there got so upset about that, and they they decided that you know that shouldn't happen. There were all these reasons that were given, and they left, and went to a congregation that already had indoor plumbing, and so the problem wasn't with indoor plumbing. It was just they didn't like the decision that was made, yeah. and that's like you said. My question is, and it's something that a good friend of mine said once to me. If you do that to a congregation, if you leave willy-nilly, mm -hmm. did you ever really submit to an eldership? Mm -hmm. if, if you're going to do that over a matter that's not doctrinal, that, that doesn't have anything to do with salvation and your soul's you know, state, have you ever really submitted to these, to these men? Right. If you're just going to get up and leave at the first moment, and you know, that's really it. I know the, the ways that I would approach this, obviously, is like very similar to what you said. Did you leave for a biblical reason? Okay, then I commend you, and I'll be praying for that eldership. Right. What'd you leave for? Well, we didn't like the new carpet they put in. And? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, at the congregation where I preach, I do not like the, the color of the walls in the auditorium, and I don't like the color of the carpet or the pews. It doesn't hinder my ability to worship. Yeah. It's not what I would pick, but that's just it. I'm not the one that picked. It's not my decision. Yeah. And like you said, matters of opinion is where they rule. Yeah. And as long as they're not stepping over their bounds and doing things in a way that is sinful, they have a right to turn the carpet into whatever color they see fit. And uh, I've never known of an eldership in matters of opinion that is a good eldership 
that does things just to do things. They have a purpose. They have right. a plan. They have something behind it and a reason to do it. And leaving because of a decision that's made by the elders should only occur if the elders are in sin. Yeah. And if the elders are in sin and you've done everything you can, then yeah, sure, you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to leave at some point. Yeah. But I agree with what you said. If it's not for that, then it falls on your shoulders to repent yeah. as the person who left. Because not only did you leave, but we don't think about this, the damage that we do when we leave. Because not only did we leave the congregation, our friends saw us leave. Yeah. And if we have any type of influence we can cause a split yeah. over some of the silliest of matters. And so we have to factor in all of these things of what's going to happen if I leave? And so I, I just really think that we are too quick to make decisions and we, we make decisions that we think are the best but they're actually the worst. And if we could do it over again we'd realize, man, all the damage that we've done. Right. And so leaving because of something that's not a scriptural matter is foolishness. You're right. It is, and it undermines the leadership yeah. of that congregation. And 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 you mentioned, you know, if they're influential people, especially, and for some reason, unfortunately, it seems like those are the ones. And but it usually, it's not just them then that pick up and leave. It'll be someone else that's at least thinking about it now. Well, if they left, you know, uh, should we be leaving too? And and so they they start to question. The, the leadership and, and they undermine that, that eldership in that way and that's, that's just unfortunate and that, that's again never the, the plan. Um, I, I'm reminded of what Peter wrote and he says, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder. You know, Peter's writing, he's also serving as one of the elders, you know, and so in the congregation of Jerusalem, you know, uh, assumingly. So he says, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And so he says this, feed the flock of God, which is similar to what Paul had called the Ephesian elders down to Miletus, right. you know, to meet with them and said, you know, feed the church of God, right. which, you know, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Right. You oversee this work, you know, God has made you these, this overseer. And so, he's, and Peter, so Peter says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. It's the same type of wording that's used. Again, not by constraint, but willingly, not for uh, money's sake, but of a ready mind. Elders generally step in this role that of, uh, are of a certain character and caliber of men. I, I like to use that phrase because we're talking about the type of men that you'd want to go into battle behind, that right. you'd want to, to follow in that way. So these men are not taking it by constraint, though, but they're willingly serving in this uh, and, and that's just it. And they do so of a ready mind. They know what they're getting into. They know this is going to be difficult. And so I, I'm always reminded of, of you know, even the, the Hebrews writer making clear, you know, that, that we, they watch for our souls. So what do we need to do? We, we need to make their work easier, not harder. It's already hard. And they know going in that it's hard and it's difficult. And he says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And so they lead, they show us the way, they, they're, they're walking and, and we're following along. And so that, that's important. It says, when the chief shepherd appears, you shall receive the crown of glory that fades not away. So th that reminder of the caliber of men that we're following, the, the type of men, and to undermine their authority, that, that's just, that's absolutely foolish and wrong. And it, and it ca can cause splits and numerous other things. And, you know, we have enough trouble. 
in the yeah. Lord's body. Yeah, I sometimes wonder, with like you said, and you, you really hit the nail on the head, it's usually the influential people who are doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes wonder if part of that is, I may not be an elder, but I still have a voice, mm-hmm. and I'm still an influential person, and, and this entitled mindset that says, no, I'm still special, and you're, you know, I'm going to leave now. And you guys know I give a lot of money yeah, to this congregation. Give a lot, yeah. And, I, you know, our influence is, is pretty vast. And it's almost like they're playing chicken yeah. with the elders here. Is we're, we're each going to go at each other, and we're going to see who moves first. Mm-hmm. And for people to do that, like you said, the, the, the best way you described it is undermining the authority of the elders. It's not their job to oversee the congregation as members. Mm-hmm. It's the elders' job. And what needs to be, you know, going on in our lives and in our understanding of elders is prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of encouragement sent towards our elders through, you know, the ability to say, God, we, we th- we're so thankful that we have yeah. these elders, we have these men, and bless them, bless this congregation. And instead, we fight about the, the silliest of things. Mm-hmm. And we leave over the silliest of things to where when a big issue happens, it can kill the church. Right. Because we've already been fighting over the smallest things. We have no idea how to handle the big ones. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, it's so ridiculous to think about people leaving over petty things. But it happens all the time. Right. It happens all the time. And I think as, as preachers, we too have a responsibility thinking about our elders mm-hmm. in that way. And... and you know, one of the con- one of the conversations that I had with with my eldership when I when I moved there last year was, I, I want to make sure that that you know that I have your back. Mm-hmm. You know that I, I'm standing here with you in this work. You have your role. I have my role. Hope that you support me in the same way. But you need to know that I have your back. I, I'm not going to just let the congregation beat up my elders in that way because. It's a thankless job. It's it's a hard job. It's it's difficult. It's hard on their family. It's hard on their wives, and so we we need to support our elders in that way. Right. But the sad truth is, in congregations in the world today, there are men who are in the office of elder that are not qualified <clears throat> to be an elder, and the scriptures don't necessarily give some process of once the elder becomes sinful, here's how you get rid of him. <laughs> and so what, what would you do if you found out that one of the men in the eldership, or, you know, we hope it wouldn't be the case, but what if multiple men in the eldership were not qualified to be elders anymore? How do you yeah. handle that? Uh, you know, and those are, diff- those are going to be the most difficult of situations, you know, you, because at that point in time, you probably have people who have left mm-hmm. and, and are seeing that these men are either not qualified or not leading the way they need to be leading, and, and it's, already, it's already causing such right. pandemonium and chaos in the congregation and it making it hard to even come to worship. And so it becomes that distraction. And so I, I, I get that and have seen that, unfortunately, in some congregations and hear about it in numerous others. And, you know, I, I heard this statement years ago, if a man can be appointed to the offer, office of an elder, then he can also be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there, there will have to come a time, you know, and he needs to be pulled aside. And if he won't listen, then, you know, I, I think the same approach as Matthew 18 gives for, you know, one who's um, committed sin against or offended in that way, you go to that party and you try to do that individually. You go then with two or three, you know, so that, Every word can be, you know, uh, noted right. in that. And then it's a church matter if, if no change is made. 
and so that's hard <clears throat> and it looks like a it looks like it's it's more of a problem for the congregation but in that situation that's the next step that's those are the things that have to be done and and men who either have disqualified themselves by sometimes the decisions that they've made uh, that's you know they they need to step down they need to repent of that they've maybe caused a split themselves because of certain issues and especially if it's a doctrinal matter those men no longer need to be leading uh, in that way and I can think of some situations right now that that's the case and it's unfortunate that those men are still leading seemingly those congregations but leading in a way and have have twisted what has happened in the background uh, you know to their own benefit to, to build themselves up in some way those men need to be disappointed <laughs> well and, that, and that's just it is we we can't stand up before the congregation and say all right who, who says they're out who says they're still in yeah. you know that's that's not going to work and that's right. not biblical but I like how you put it it becomes a church matter yeah and when a brother sins against you you go to him and then if he won't listen to you you go and it, you know if you if you get him you've gained your brother mm -hmm. if you don't you disfellowship you withdraw from him and I think at times there are, like you said, sad situations where people need to be disappointed. They need to be taken away from the office of elder. Yeah. But humility has to play into that, where an elder will say, you know what, in order to be an elder, I have to meet the qualifications, and I don't meet the qualifications. And all qualifications have to be met. Mm -hmm. An elder can't have, you know, nine out of the ten, <clears throat> and, and that last one not be met and be acceptable to God. Right. All of those qualifications would need to be met. Uh, you know, when he becomes an elder, and obviously, I would, I would understand that the children one being a little bit more difficult because children grow up and they leave the home. Right. But when he is installed as an elder, he has to have faithful, believing children. Right. And it's not going to be his fault if the children grow up and abandon the Lord and his teaching. It's not on him. Right. But if an elder discovers, you know what, I'm not doing it, a lot of times the sad truth is they're not willing to give up the position of power. Right. Talk about what it takes, if, if a few minutes that we have left, to try to be like Jesus was in Philippians 2 and to be humble and how that comes into being, you know, able to say, I, I need to remove myself. Yeah, there's, there's a certain mentality. And, and before I, I go there, 1 Timothy 5 gives a picture in that situation. You know, after verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, uh, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And then... Later, he says in verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. So, so there's some precedent. That there's, there's scripture and command that's been set forth, and we need to make sure that we, we follow it in that way. As it pertains to the, the right type of mindset, I think Philippians 2, you know, let this mind, which was in Christ Jesus, let this mind, this type of thinking be in you. Why? Because you're, you're leading a congregation, and therefore you need to be thinking about others ahead of your own self and that's kind of what led up to that uh, in, in that passage from Philippians 2 you know verse 2 and 3 especially you know and so the mind of Christ is, is one who would he gave up heaven he gave up the supreme power and, and, the, and, and all the, the glory that heaven is to humble himself as a man to lower himself in that way so that he might save us. Right. But if, if, I, if I could think, if I could approach 
my work that way, and if I could, and if elders would approach their work that way, and deacons approach their work that way, and every member approach their work in the Lord's kingdom, their service in the kingdom, in that type of mindset, where I'm going to be hum humble, I'm going to think of others before myself, then then that leads them in a better place. Yeah, and the congregation needs elders, and we need men that are willing to do the job because it is a thankless job. But qualified men are needed. Absolutely. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I know that my Redeemer lives.